afternoon, guys. We're here today to talk about the Dolly Madison Bakery and uh, provide a little bit of an update on that. My name is Corey Latham. I'm a special agent in charge with the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. Uh, with me today, joining me here is Great Bend Police Department Chief Steve Hallmark, KBI Senior Special Agent Brian Carroll, who's the lead investigator on this case, and Barton County Sheriff Brian Bellander. This past Sunday, September 4th, marked the 20th anniversary of the deaths of Mary Drake and Mandy Alexander. Okay, today we will be discussing the September 4th, 2002 murder of Mandy Alexander and Mary Drake that occurred in Great Bend, Kansas at the Madison Bakery Outlet Dolly. Store. Dolly Madison Oh, Bakery. Dolly Madison Bakery Outlet Store. Thank you. Yes. And one of the things that I want to just get on the recording is in full transparency is not being originally from Kansas. I wasn't aware of this murder that had happened until I had heard about the news conference when it had happened on September 6th of 2022. And I had heard the news conference with the KBI and then Desiree was outspoken at the news conference about how the KBI had not been keeping in contact with the family members at all. And that is one of the primary topics of this interview I wanna get into and how that impacts the family and it also impacts the investigation and the transparency into the community and how that impacts the community, the family, and the victims. Desiree has actually been a driving force in getting this out in the open. Hey guys, it's Marianne, Dog Mom Baker, True Crime Podcast Maker, and if you guys follow us on our social media, primarily our Instagram, you will know this is going to be my last podcast for just a little bit because I'm going in and having surgery um, tomorrow. Yeah, wow. And um, I will be quiet for just a little bit, but don't worry. I will still be actively behind the scenes, researching and deep diving into every case I possibly can. We are working diligently on the case from Garden City, Kansas of Geraldine Pratt. The Garden City Police Department is so actively working on their cold cases that they are using every bit of social media, of reaching out into the community. This police department is amazing, guys. They understand how important it is to embrace every place they can to try to find anybody who might know anything about their cold cases and we want to support them a hundred percent and that's what we're doing and so we're trying to put together our information and help spread awareness about Geraldine Pratt's case I reached out to her social media page on Facebook of her family members I believe have the page I haven't heard back from them yet but we do plan on doing a podcast on that case very, very soon, as soon as I'm back up and in the doings again. But today, the case we are going to talk about is a case I have been working on a lot. There will be a YouTube video, and Aaron Mall, who is just an amazing filmmaker, is working on a documentary about this case as well. And it is the Dolly Modest, the, excuse me, the Dolly Madison Bakery Murders. Sorry, I get so excited and worked up about it, I can barely get the words out of my mouth. And it is because there is such an amazing family member who has been working so hard for justice on this case. And her name is Desiree Worth. So we had the chance back in December to sit down with her. 
now because of my health issues and also because I had been working so actively on the Athena Brownfield case, the Fasika Tadell case, the Kendra Patello case. There have just been so many other cases we have been actively working on as well that I, I've been trying to balance this case, but also because I wanted to get a petition together and I wanted to really dive into this case and try to time this case out perfectly because this case is that important to not just the Great Bend community, but to the entire Kansas community. So let's talk about this case for just a minute. On the evening of September 4th of 2002, at a Dolly Madison Bakery outlet in Great Bend, Kansas, a delivery driver for Dolly Madison found the bodies of 24-year-old Mandy Alexander and a 79-year-old Mary Drake. Now, Mandy Alexander had just begun working for the bakery as a clerk the week she was killed. Mary Drake, she was just a customer, a person who made a fateful decision that day to stop by the bakery. Investigators say they were killed with a sharp object. The murder weapon was never found. Although money was missing from the bakery's cash drawer, authorities say they weren't sure the robbery was motive for the crimes. It happened inside the business at one of the busiest intersections in Great Bend sometime between 5 and 6.30 p.m. Again, one of the busiest times in Great Bend. And nobody really remembers seeing much. There was a sketch in the paper that was released of a pretty average-looking guy. And again, we're going to have all of this information on the YouTube video that's going to be released. And a lot of this is also going to be covered in a lot of other media that's going to be coming out over the next few days. So the Dolly Madison driver who made his unplanned visit to the store and found the bodies around 8 p.m. said there was a pool of blood and again the murder weapon that was never found. Now someone else they mentioned seeing a man leave the business and had a sign on the door and again, there was a description that was, and of course that description is worthless now because there's no way that person looks at all, but hey, who knows? But again, this was 2002. We are now in 2023 and this has gotten, gotten nowhere. And this is a murder that happened at the busiest intersection in Great Bend, Kansas. This is a murder that happened when a young woman just started working at that store. So in previous reports about the murders, police said they were having trouble finding a motive. Hours working this investigation, but to date, no individuals have been arrested for this crime. I find that interesting. We hope to change that. Busiest intersection. The woman just came to work there that week and she gets killed that week. And you're having a hard time finding the motive. I think a lot of us could possibly figure that out. What I mean by that is we need to have the name of an individual and then we'll go ask that individual to give us a sample of their DNA and then we can compare that. Okay, you be you. Again, very little money was actually taken from the business. But here's the thing. Mandy Alexander, she was going through a custody battle at the time. But, okay, her ex-husband, he had an alibi. As you guys may know, and you'll hear from our clip, and that's the clip from Corey Latham from the KBI, where he has done the press conference stating that they have new DNA evidence. We focused on technologies that have advanced beyond where they were in 2002 and even beyond after that especially focusing on areas that uh, can help produce results that would be useful today. As a result of that review and additional testing, we have identified 
a male DNA on a sample that was collected from the body of one of our victims. So that in and of itself is, is pretty significant. The, the DNA profile, as I said, is male profile, so that is YSTRs. YSTRs are uh, useful to us in the terms of a direct comparison. But it's a male's DNA that was found from a sample taken from one of the victims. And it, it, it's wonderful news. It's absolutely wonderful because forensics is amazing. And it's constantly advancing. And this wonderful information can lead to answers. And one of the things I say time and time again, with the murder of my friend, it's not just the murder of my friend I once solved. It's like the murder of Mary Robin Walter. That gentleman, people talk about the fact that that information went on to capture a senior citizen. Well, bullshit. Because that man went on and he was hurting and assaulted numerous women after he had killed Mary Robin Walter. So you don't know if the person who has committed this one crime has gone on to commit multiple crimes and nobody has done anything to stop them. That's where we need to do something. We don't know. We assume that if they're committing additional crimes that they are going to be caught. We don't know that. You look at criminals like Israel Israel Keys. Gosh, I am sorry, guys. Boy, you can understand why they're taking me to the hospital, don't you? Oh, my Lord. But you see criminals like that, and you know, there are those who can get away with murder for a long time. Look at the Golden State Killer. They're out there. So we are asking the KBI to do better with their due diligence, which is why we put together a petition. Let the FBI, if you don't have the tools to do your job, and we're not saying that you're inadequate. We're not saying that there is a conspiracy with the law enforcement and they're doing this whole conspiracy theory thing. We're not saying that. We're just saying you've had 20 years and you haven't gotten there. Isn't it time to ask for outside assistance? What is the point of law enforcement always keeping these cases in a box when you can go and ask someone else for help? There are amazing amazing assistance out there. You have C.C. Moore, you have the FBI, you have all of these amazing groups with these amazing resources. I'm not saying that they're going to help, that they will be able to do something, but if you like press conferences, give us a press conference where you're reaching out for help with someone else. Just Give us that dog and pony show. Show us that you're reaching out for help from someone else in this type of case. The violence in this case for such a young woman to such an older woman, such a senseless act of violence on a busy street. It is time to take this case and do something else with it. The family is begging you. The community is begging you. And now the rest of the world is telling you. You've done everything you have done. You have worked hard. But you have reached the end of your rope. You have exhausted what you can do. I know there are others who could do something else with this. 
I know they could. I have seen miracles happen. The least you could do is try and ask. So let's go back to the DNA. So this male DNA was found in a sample taken from one of the victims, as I'd said. Now the investigators, they didn't find enough DNA to enter it into a national database of criminal offenders. However, investigators could compare it to a sample of someone's DNA if they were able to find a suspect they had said. Now, Corey Latham, again, from the KBI stated, while it's useful, it doesn't help answer the question as to who that person is today. But it's promising and we hope it will help us in the future when we're already 20 years down the road. He said the Great Bend Police, Barton County Sheriff's deputies, and KBI agents collected numerous DNA samples 20 years ago and held Tuesday's news conference, which was that when they first announced it, to encourage someone who might have even the slightest detail relevant to the case to come forward. Now, this is from KSN when the news conference had been held. Now, this is all due to forensic science advances. This isn't due to anything new that KBI has really dredged up. This is all forensic science, guys. This is what forensic science has been able to come forward with. Now, there have been hundreds of tips that have been phoned in, which has been awesome. And so, and so let's go to this DNA profile for just a minute. This DNA profile is a YSTR. Now, that's, that's how they know it's male. And when it was asked about familial DNA on being able to utilize that, he had stated it's too small to be able to utilize it to do any type of familial DNA tracking. And I'm very curious about that. Um, and that is something I would love. I, I know I have the wonderful resources of the people at Uncovered and the people like Dana Paul from True Crime PI. And I am looking to put this into their hands, hopefully here in the future, and see what they can do to assist us as well. Because nobody understands forensic and familial genealogy as they do. Um, so this is something I'm hoping to start pulling the thread at eventually. Um, as I've said, I just haven't been able to follow that bunny down, but it is something I would love to get their thoughts on in the future. Now, the KBI has said it's agents and Great Bend police detectives. They, again, in the past, they collected numerous DNA samples for comparison, but they haven't found any matches yet. And they will continue to try to find a match. One of my questions is, I, I am curious on how they're doing their comparative analysis. Um, that is something I did have a question about. I didn't see where any of the news persons had questioned that. And uh, when they did their uh, press conference, he was only taking questions from qualified media, which I also found very curious. He was, when he, when Corey Latham did the question, when he did the press conference, he was very specific. And this is a very topical thing in Great Bend. And it definitely has gotten a lot of people in the community have questions. And they want to talk to their local law enforcement about it. And they want to talk to their, you know, KBI about it. But he was making it very, very clear in this press conference. I'm not talking to you. I am talking to news stations. I am talking to the newspaper. And anybody else can go kick rocks. And that press conference was extremely clear in that. And as you will hear, as Desiree even wanted to engage and stuff, 
it was very dismissive. And and that is something I have a problem with. And, and I understand that they are exhausted and they probably hear a lot from Desiree. And as you will hear in our interviews and as we talk to her, she is frustrated and that frustration comes through. And, and I'm sure it's aggravating. And, 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 you know, for those of us who don't live it every day and we live our own type of frustration with our own deaths of our loved ones. But the one thing I've noticed as law enforcement, the moment you start closing yourself off from the community and the moment you start saying, this is the line, I'm not going to talk to you about this. This is the information I'm willing to give out. And this is how I'm going to engage. And that is it. That's how those conspiracy theories, that's how all of this, and that is how the us versus them mentality grows. And you have then a community where it's, I don't trust my local law enforcement. I don't believe you're doing what you can for the case. I don't believe this relationship is going to work. And that's where crime rises in your community. That's where it, it doesn't work. And then you look, and I'm sorry to be comparative, but then you look at the Garden City Police Department where it's, hey, we want to engage our community. We want to do what we can to help solve cases. We want to do these things. We, we've got our therapy dog in the schools. We've got these things. And you just see a very active communal engagement. And it, it's just such a difference. And it, it's just, then there's faith in getting cases solved. And I just wish they would just work a little bit harder on just, you don't have to give the answers. You don't have to say, hey, this is a case and this is where we're at. You just have to respect your community. You just have to respect them enough to say, I don't know the answers. And this sucks. And I am sorry. And that's it. Most of you may notice, I mean, obviously from the way it is, one of those two women in that bakery were targeted. And especially after the Idaho murders, we've heard the word targeted get thrown around a lot. One of the things I wanted to talk about when we utilize the words, especially in law enforcement, the word targeted seems to really bring out a lot of intense feelings in people. And I wanted to kind of define it a little bit from a law enforcement perspective. So when we say an individual is or might have been targeted, that doesn't always mean that somebody in it does in a lot of cases, but not in every case. It doesn't always mean that the person has been trolled. It doesn't always mean that there has been a long-term in uh, some sort of relationship with both of the individuals. The, the relationship may have been completely one-sided from the person who committed the act. So when that person has been targeted, that is how it is. And also when a person has been targeted, it doesn't always mean that that person, the other individual had come to that place with the intent to kill. It may have just been an intent to engage that person. It may have been an intent to engage that person in a conversation. It may have been an intent to remove the person from where they were at and the person was unwilling to come. There are a lot of things, but the one thing it is, is that person was the catalyst to the situation. If you take that individual away from that situation. So when we say that person was targeted, 
if that person was not in the situation, would the situation have occurred? So in this situation, let's, when we're talking about the Dolly Madison Bakery murders, how I think of it and how my thought process is, and again, remember, this is only my opinion. Law enforcement has not proven this to be true. But my opinion is, is that Mandy Alexander was the targeted individual. Mandy Alexander had just started there that week. Mary Drake was only there purely by accident, stopping in to shop. So, if Mandy Alexander had not been there that day, would those events had occurred the way they had? Now, if this person's intention was robbery, then the events would have unfolded no matter who was there. However, robbery has, for the most part, been ruled out because very little money was taken from the premises. Now, they haven't fully established a motive, but they have stated, KBI has stated, that robbery was not the motive as to what they have seen. So we can deduce that Mandy was the targeted individual. Now, again, this is my opinion, my podcast, my opinion. So now for the rest of this podcast, for those of you who are listening, we will be having our interview that we had had with Desiree Worth. She is going to be sharing with us the events that happened that day. She is also going to be giving us a look as to Mandy Alexander and letting us get to know Mandy as the person she was and the person she could have been if somebody hadn't viciously taken her life away from her. So I want to thank you all for giving us the time that you have and for the time that you continue to give. And I am here with Desiree Worth. She is the sister of Mandy Alexander, whose life was brutally taken away from her during the Dolly Madison Bakery side. I'm just going to have her go ahead and, and take care on of On September 4th, 2002. In Great Bend, Kansas. Right. And I actually wasn't aware of this case at all, not being from Kansas. And this was an absolutely heinous case that had occurred, but I wasn't aware of it at all. And it was shocking. And then the KBI had an update, or what they said was an update, new evidence. But Desiree has enlightened me. It wasn't new evidence at all, was it, Desiree? Not at all. So, it turns they, out. They say at the news conference on the 6th of this year, new evidence, but that the evidence was a drop of blood found on one of the bodies. Now, mind you, this is a 20-year-old case, so if they found the blood on one of the bodies, and that's the new evidence that they spoke were meant trying to mention how is that new evidence the only thing that would be new evidence or anything new not even evidence would be the testing and that's not even really that new it's that's been around for a little while hasn't it yeah the YSTR so and, or DNA right but in this case it's not they can't do a full DNA panel because there's not enough blood so they would either him specifically or his the male side I right. believe they couldn't use the female side because of the Y chromosome so they would have to use the Y side in order and compare that to the evidence that they have it cannot be ran through the CODIS right. data bank right and that's the information that they gave Desiree but what's really shocking is how that information came to Desiree because Desiree was under the assumption that there was no new evidence. It is because of advances in forensic science. Absolutely. 
I want to know why you've never stayed in contact with the families. Why we've always had to find out over social media things that have gone on or what you're doing now. Well, Just like the other day, I did get a phone call from Brian. However, as soon as I hung up the phone with asking him directly if there was any new information that he could give me, he said no, because that information only the perk would know and law enforcement. Then to hang up the phone and read on Facebook that you have new evidence when I asked him point blank, do you have anything new that you can tell me? And I'm supposed to it read in between the lines, update meaning new evidence. Now, how in the world was I ever supposed to pick up that clue? I am so mad at you guys. I understand that there's frustrations the family has. There's certain details that we're not ever going to be able to say. We don't expect detail by detail by detail, but to ra we would rather hear you pick up the phone and tell us, hey, we're not, we don't really have any new information to give you, but we want you to know that we care and we are still here. Then to hear nothing at all from you. Do you understand what that feels like? Apparently not. Well, ma'am. continued for 20 years. Ma'am, what I can tell you is that we've talked to your mother over the years many, many times. We've been in communication with the family many times, and we've always told them that if we get something significant, that we will absolutely share that with you. And here we are your today. Your silence is more outweighs anything that you ever have had to say. Well, you may you can come to our office and visit with us anytime you uh, like. When, when we pick up the phone to reach out to you, then you, we're treated like we're dirt on your shoe by the tone in your voice and, and your short comments. Like we're, like we're, you're trying to get us off the phone. Well, if you'd like to visit with me about that afterwards, I'll be happy to. More than Are there any other media questions? That's what I was told. Sure. They called me on Friday to tell me that they were going to have the conference on Monday at 1 o'clock. And all I could hear was want, 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 want. Because that's what they were telling me and that's the same thing that they've said for the last 20 years you know and i specifically said is there anything new that you can tell us because it is 20 years and however we do deserve some answers and mind you i'm not asking for any step by step by step information i just wanted to know was there anything new did they have any new leads any new whatever and I was told no because that was something only the perpetrator would know or law enforcement. Mind you that the conversation carries on. We hang up. I get on Facebook. And when they KBI had called me on Friday, they woke me up. So I hadn't even had a chance to do anything. So then we hang up. I get on Facebook. And then I read on their post, the KBI post, that there's new evidence. So I immediately call back screaming leaving in a voicemail he calls me back and i asked him why he couldn't tell me that there was new evidence he said he did i said no you didn't because i would have asked you i wouldn't have asked you if there was anything new that you could tell me if you would have told me that you had new evidence so that should have been his clue that i if he was if i was supposed to read between the lines that i didn't so that's how i found out about the new new evidence Obviously, you can see tensions have been high, frustrations have been high, and it's not something that's happened overnight. If you go back, and we will be sharing details, and these will be cut within the video, that this has been something that has happened for over 20 years. It is a lack of communication that has happened within the federal organization, local organizations, it has been a mishandling of the case from the get-go. These are two women that were murdered within a small community. And there are multiple instances where people were not questioned who should have been questioned. There were people who should, shouldn't have been talked to who were talked to. There have been so many things and the lack of transparency within local law enforcement has got a sense of unease within the town of Great Bend and a sense of distrust within the family. And law enforcement doesn't understand why the family was so vocal at a press conference 
And rather than just stopping the press conference and having an open conversation and dialogue with the family and instead, the media at, and, and with the media, instead it was, we're going to show you guys. And then walk. But so how did you feel, Mandy, at the end of the press conference? Was he willing to talk to you at all? He was, yeah, after the news conference was over. He invited me to stay. Sorry, Desiree. It's okay. <laughs> he invited me to, to stay after the conference was over, but I have nothing more to say to them. Nothing. And I'll explain more to that after a while. And and so we have been, because they said we have new evidence and that we had thought, hey, maybe there are hopes that this case will be unfolding and there will be new information. And yet, since that press conference, we have sent multiple information and multiple requests into the law enforcement organizations for additional information. Those questions have gone unanswered. We haven't received anything. Desiree hasn't received anything. And these are two women and multiple families who are crying out for justice. Mandy's family deserves answers. Mary's family deserves answers. I'm gonna let Desiree share with you the amazing person Mandy was. She has some great stories and I love hearing about them. And I'd love for her to share them with you as well. Well, when my stepmom was pregnant with, my, with Mandy, she wanted to name her Heather Rose. And I asked her why, because that, to me that name was ugly, and especially when I was younger. She said, well, our last name is Sunderland, the sun and the land, Heather Rose is a flower. And I'm like, please, please, Karen, don't name her that. Well, then one day the song came on the radio, Mandy. And she says, I love this song. I said, well, why don't you name her Mandy? Well, in the song it says, you came and you gave without taking. And that's what Mandy did. She came into this world innocent like all of us, but was taken out so brutally. She gave my sister kids the only sister I have left. When Mandy died, my sister adopted her oldest and got permanent guardianship of the youngest because she had so many medical problems that it wasn't, it wasn't feasible for them to adopt her. That way she could keep her disability. So they got permanent guardianship of her. My sister loved her kids as though they were her own. But that's Mandy. She came and she gave without taking. She gave my sister kids. Now Mandy, I really don't, I don't really have memories of Mandy. And I don't know why. But what I do remember of Mandy is the little sister Mandy, the pain in the back. You know, the one that always annoys you. Um, but she loved her kids, I can tell you that. And she was excited to be a mom. It was her third day of work after Kirsten, the youngest, was born, where she was killed at. So, Mandy, she just, you know, didn't deserve this. And to deserve to, uh, or not deserve, but to have her life ripped away from her after her youngest daughter's birth like that is so unnecessary and nobody even knows why. There's not even one thing that stands out that maybe could lead to why. Not one. But Mandy, she was so, she was so sheltered by my stepmom. Um, but she had a good life, you know? Nobody deserves to die like she did. And neither did Mary. They weren't after Mary, they were after my sister for whatever reason. 
ask Desiree had shared, their deaths were brutal. Somebody had come in to the store and one of the concerning parts is they came into the store during a busy time of day. And this was at a busy street area. So whoever committed this crime was bold. This was somebody who knew the area. This is somebody who was unconcerned that they would stand out. This is somebody who utilized a knife in the crime. Mandy was injured greatly. The cuts in her neck were deep. This is somebody who had a lot of rage in the attack. This is a crime of whoever committed the crime. The KBI needs to take this case seriously. Somebody who commits a crime like this, it is rare, it is a one-off. These types of crimes need to be taken seriously by law enforcement, even in cold cases. They told me that it was random and transient, that that's what the profile of the perpetrator came up, I guess, that's what they read into the crime, I guess, is how they do that, I don't know. But that's what they told us, it was random and transient. What was done to my sister was not random and transient. Yeah, see, in these kind of cases, I mean, you have to look at this. It was a personal, it was. It, 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 it's, it's a horrific attack, and it is so hard for me to believe that somebody would utilize this type of force and this degree of force in a random and transient attack especially with two people. So, again, they, they do have a composite drawing of somebody they seen locking the door, but what I wanna know is this person that they seen locking the door, if somebody was able to draw or provide information that they could draw a composite drawing, why was there no blood mentioned on his clothes? because this, my sister was found in a pool of blood. Her head was, her throat was cut. The only thing holding my sister's head on was her spinal cord. Now, he would have some blood on him. I don't care. Good point. So as Desiree said, there is a composite sketch, which we have shared before and we will share again. And we'll have that, so. We'll have that information as well but again good information so again there is the YSTR so they're looking at familial DNA and one of the things I had looked at that they had shared is they had said that they were checking DNA of people in the Great Bend area did you hear anything more related to that no, they don't call us. I was just curious if you had heard anything through the grapevine, anything I mean, like that. Because I was very curious. It's like, are they doing random swaps? Or are they doing... I don't know what they've done. Okay. I thought that was very interesting when I read back and saw that. I thought... Oh, because usually you hear any follow-up news. And well, like I said, I had emailed time, and never heard it. At the back. time of the murder, I didn't live in Great Bend. I lived in Hutchison. And also, I want to mention, I heard it on the news. That's how I heard it. Oh, that's a good one. I was laying on the couch. It was a 10 o'clock news. My youngest daughter was laying on my side. So all I heard was my daughter in my ear, yak, yak, yak. Then I heard double homicide, Barton County, Grape in Kansas, yak, 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 Dolly Madison Bakery, no further information is being given at this time. And about two minutes later, the phone rang and it was my sister telling me I needed to get to Grape Bend that something was wrong with Mandy. So of course, in the car we go and on our way to Grape Bend, 
and I sat on the curb from a little after 11 o'clock the night of her murder till noon the next day until I saw the ambulance pull away because I was not going to leave because I knew that was the last time I would see my sister. So there I sat all that time and along with the, most of the family and others as well from the community. I think the Drakes were on the south side of the bakery and we were on the north end and that's when was the last time you had talked to Namandi prior to the attack? I can't even tell you. I didn't even, I didn't even know she worked there. Oh, wow. But like I said, it was only her third day of work. And I'm trying to see. Now, they said the witness described the man was approximately 6 foot 1 to 6 foot 2, weighing about 175 pounds, and he had collar length, light brown to blonde hair. So, again, just a very generic description, and that's been the description that they've had since the last 20 years. And again, there is a $17,000 reward if anybody will come forward with any type of information, but it's been 20 years and no one has come forward. I did. Now, she has. I mean, Desiree has been a staunch defender and she has done so many things. She has gone above and beyond trying to personally investigate this case on her own. Now, she has done some amazing things trying to get answers. Now, the KBI hasn't really appreciated some of the ways she's gone about getting the information on this case. Too and bad. Too bad. If you aren't going to do your job, somebody's got to. And if it's got to be me, then I, then I guess it's got to be me. And if you want to get mad, get mad. But I'm tired of KBI, and I want this case out of their hands. And I don't care how loud I have to scream. I don't care who I have to cuss out. And I don't care if you like the words that I'm speaking. Something has to be done. My sister and Mary deserve some answers. And I'm sick and tired of KBI. Exactly. Desiree's tired I mean, I'm of sorry, waiting for sorry. answers. I mean, if more families would do this and speak out to try to find answers because they're just they're tired i think so many people are just tired in these well, cold cases waiting for law enforcement to find answers and if people knew how kbi talked to you when you call into them and try to find out any information or provide information or just to ask some questions if you knew how they talked to us you too would be mad you too would be frustrated. You also would not blame me. You would be mad right with me. And I'm just sick and tired of people giving props to KBI, giving props to law enforcement when they don't deserve it. I'm sick of it. And, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do this with Desiree here is because I don't think people truly understand what she's gone through and how hard she's been fighting. Well, I'm, to I'm just going to give you an instance. Go listen to the 20-year mark news conference on September 6, 2022. When I am yelling at them and the way he shut me down and the tone of voice that it was given in, that's what we've been given for 20 years. That same tone of voice, that same kind of shutdown, that same coldness, that same, we don't care your shit on our shoe. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And when I called to give them information that I was given, not by one person, but by two, but because I would not give them, I didn't even tell them that I had gotten the same information from two people on the same day within 30 minutes because of the attitude that I got. So I told him about the information that my good, 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 good friend, very good friend of mine, gave me, who has been trying to help. He's been trying to get this information for me for years because I think he kind of suspected who, but wasn't positive. And until that information was given to him, he didn't want to say anything to me. Well, that information was finally given to him. So he called me and gave it to me. And it just so happened to be the weekend of Okay, KBI called me on Friday. He told me on Saturday, or 
I can't remember. Anyway, it was the same time as the news conference. So I called KVI to give them the information, but because I would not tell them my friend's name, he was mad and screaming at me. Well, then a week later, I called to see if what they were gonna do with the information that I give them. And he told me nothing because I wouldn't provide his name. Well, I can't give him a name because his life could be in jeopardy as well. And I'm not going to put somebody else's life in jeopardy. And what, doesn't he have the right to remain anonymous? Even though I know that the information I'm providing to KBI is hearsay, that does not give them to write, the right to not look into the information. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. That frustrates me, not just with this case, but with several cases. Law enforcement should be advocating with family, but Mandy's family has had an uphill battle with the KBI. And that's and the reason why law enforcement. And that's me calling in with that information and him telling me that he's not gonna do nothing with the information. That is why I, I'm done with KBI. I am done. I have nothing more to say to them. Do not call me. Do, I will not speak to you no more. I want this case out of KBI, Great Bend KBI's hands. And I don't care what I have to do until the day I die, I am going to get this case out of KBI's hands. And that's why I wanted to do this. I want us to advocate to get it from local KBI and it needs to be in the federal FBI's hands. Well, and just the crime alone should be in FBI's exactly. hands. It, this crime obviously has transcended beyond federal borders. You know that whoever it's has committed murder. this crime, this crime needs to be in the FBI's hands. It needs to be removed from KBI's hands. It needs to be in the FBI's hands. That's why we have been working so hard and Desiree and I have been working together and this is what we are advocating for this case to no longer be in the KBI's hands. We want to see this case go to the FBI. That is where this case needs to be. We've already seen that the KBI is not working with the family. There are serious questions that have been found with local law enforcement within what it is anyways. There's obviously some transgressions and we need to see this case within the FBI. And, then, and that's what we're advocating for with this podcast. And I also want to say that the night that I sat on the curb, the night of the murder, I watched people go in and out of that store. I can't tell you the number of times I watched people go in and out. And mind you, head of KBI and head of Grapevin Police Department were in Missouri the night this happened. And it took them six hours to drive back to Kansas. So all that time, who was in charge of the crime scene? Obviously nobody, because people were in and out of that front door when it should have been locked and sealed until whoever got there that needed to get there to investigate the, the scene. However, that wasn't done. We've made repeated, we've tried to make contact with local law enforcement just trying to do follow-ups ask questions try to find information on the case especially when it comes to the dna we are preparing a petition we are preparing a petition to see that this case is removed from the kbi and moved to the fbi's hands we are going to work with desiree in order to get that petition produced and we're hoping we can attach that with this podcast if we can acquire a thousand signatures we can get this case removed and move it to fbi and we're hoping with everyone's signatures we can get that done and we can get this case where it needs to be and eventually get this case solved so please and sign get, and share that's right <laughs> and get mandy and mary the justice they deserve so that's what we're working on and with Desiree because she's got her braids and she's a Valkyrie and we're going to get it done. So, uh, kick some ass. That's right. So we're going to be attaching the case. We're going to be attaching the um, press videos that you can see where Desiree is a family member is openly dismissed during a press conference and we will be att attaching 
the other post videos of when the case first happened and the news clippings from that to this as well. We want you guys to see just all of the errors that have been made with this case from the beginning. And like I said, I am working on that petition, so this will all be coming out at the same time. We want you guys to see it. We guys want, want you guys to share it. It will be on change.org when it all has gets put together. We're going to make a difference, and we're going to get this case moved. We want you guys to be a part of it. There was also a documentary coming out that was done by Aaron Mole. Um, I don't know a date or any information yet, but I just want to inform the public that that is in the process. So just keep your eyes open, and I'm sure Marianne will share that information when it's available. We're going to get justice. These cold cases are no longer going to be cold. They are going to be unsolved, and eventually they're going to be solved. Just because you haven't been caught yet doesn't mean you're going to continue to go, and you're going to continue to live your life. That's right. Count you've your watched, days. You've watched for long enough, whoever you are. And I want you to know, I'm looking for you. And I have been looking for you. And I'm not afraid. I will find you. Families are no longer alone. They are gathering armies. Armies of true crime sleuths who are willing to work with them and help them find answers. And we will continue to do so until these crimes are solved. So, we're going to find answers and we're going to put these killers behind bars. Anything else? I don't think so. Thank you so much for listening to Desiree share Mandy's story. And Mandy was a kind, naive, warm soul who did not deserve what happened to her. And Desiree has been working so hard to make sure Mandy's name is never forgotten. And she has been working so hard to make sure Mary has never been forgotten either. So thank you guys so much for also listening to our podcast and listening to the other true crime podcasts. So we can make sure that these cold cases are getting warmed up and they're getting answered. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you guys. It is not a profile that we can place into a national database and search at this time. So while useful, it doesn't help answer the question as to who that person is today. But it's promising and we hope that it will help us in the future. Great Bend Police Department detectives, KBI agents, with assistance from the Barton County Sheriff's Office in the past, have collected numerous DNA samples. We'll continue with those efforts. We've compared individuals, we've eliminated individuals, and we're still obviously looking for the right person, which is why we're holding this press conference today, because we hope that we can, uh, we can find that individual out there that may be holding on to just a little bit of information, hoping that we can find an individual who's willing to share that little detail that maybe they haven't shared in the past or that suspicion about an individual that we can then utilize in our investigation. KBI, the Great Bend Police Department, Barton County Sheriff's Office, we're committed to solving this crime. Our condolences go out to the family and the friends of Mary and Mandy. We know it's been a difficult 20 years for them and we want nothing more than to help solve this crime ourselves. We also wish to thank the public. The public has provided dozens, probably hundreds of tips and leads over the years, and we've done our best to run each and every one of those down, and we'll continue to do that. So we would ask for continued support from the public. So if anyone has even the slightest detail that they feel is relevant to this case, we would ask them to share that by calling the KBI at 1-800-KS-CRIME or submitting anonymously to www.kbi.ks.gov backslash SAR, S-A-R, 
or by calling the Barton County Crime Stoppers. That concludes my prepared statement. At this time, if there's any credentialed media that has questions, I'd be willing to answer those. What prompted this review? Was it something, is it a periodical review you conduct routinely within your office, or is it, was there some piece that came up that prompted this? So we've conducted several reviews on this case over the years and um, did that with various different evidence. We did um, another, another, basically another periodic review of all of the evidence. Uh, and what I guess I could say to maybe help answer your question is we, we trust the forensic scientists in our laboratory to tell us when the best and most appropriate time is to conduct certain testing because we only have limited amounts of sample to deal with. And if you consume them now, something that's available in the future may not be available to you to do. So that is why we're here today, 20 years later on that. So part of 